0: How do you calculate full-service planning and the 10 to 20% fee? You guys, this is just one of the questions that I am going to answer on today's show that we are calling CEO Q&A. If you are over in my free Facebook community called the Wedding Pro CEO Community, it is a thriving group of wedding pros who are building profitable wedding businesses that they absolutely love. And every once in a while, we go in and we ask if you have any questions that we can answer here on the podcast or on TikToks and Instagram. This is the Wedding Pro CEO podcast. I'm your host, Brandy Garr, and my mission is to help you, the wedding industry entrepreneur, to build a profitable wedding business that you actually love. I've been a business coach for just over three years, and I have helped over a 1,000 wedding pros to increase their income and to create profit and to start paying themselves a salary. I cannot wait to dig into today's episode with you in CEO Q&A. All right, you guys, Sierra said, what are some impactful ideas for grassroots vendor networking? I'm wanting to focus in more on vendor experience and would love to get some ideas going. I love this question, Sierra, because I'm a massive fan of grassroots vendor networking. If you've listened to a few of my episodes, you've likely heard me say that so much of the reason that I am as successful as I am in the wedding industry is because of my vendor partnerships very early on in my career. I made vendor relationships a really big piece of my business, and for me, it was extremely important that our vendors were as important to us in our process as our clients were, because our clients are one-time clients. And yes, they can refer you friends. And you know we love that. And of course, we're there to serve our clients. But your vendors are the people who are going to continue to refer you over and over if they love working with you. So we always made it part of our mission at Blush to make those vendor relationships a really, really high priority in our business. So I would say grassroots vendor networking. The first thing I would tell you to do is you need to be at the networking events. Listen, I the number of people that I talk to, wedding pros that I talk to in some of my programs or one-on-one coaching that say to me, oh, I just hate vendor networking. I know I need to do it, but I hate it. Okay. It is a necessary piece of your business. Y'all, if there's nothing else that you do to grow your business, you have to have strategic vendor partnerships. You have to. There's no way around it. And so, the first thing I would tell you to do is get into some of the networking events. And when you go, I want you to go with a purpose. I don't want you to just go and then be like, that was a waste of two hours of my day. No one has two hours a day to waste by just going to a networking event and just like hanging out. No, you need to go with a purpose. Know who's going to be there ahead of time. If there's somebody that you want to meet, ask for a warm introduction, either from the host of the networking event or from Um, another vendor that may know them or honestly walk up to them, compliment them, um, give them, tell them something that you love about their website or that you've seen on their Instagram that you really love and then start asking them questions about them. This is the most important piece is that a lot of times we walk up to somebody, cannot tell you the number of times I've been in a networking event and somebody walks up to me cold and is like, hi, I'm so-and-so photographer. I do XYZ. I am amazing because XYZ. Here's why you need to refer me to your clients. I would love for you to refer me to your clients. Would you like to? And I'm like, no. The reason for that is because I know nothing about you. Like you just came at me and like went me, 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 me. And I'm like, okay, but how do you serve me? How do you serve my clients? How does this bring value to me or my clients? I don't really understand. And so what you wanna do when you first meet a vendor is you want to ask them lots of questions about them. How can you be a great partner? What are the perfect kinds of clients that you can refer to them? Um, why did they get into the industry? What do they love about working with a wedding planner, or working with a venue, working with a DJ? Like what makes a great partner, right? This is what I want you to think about. So first do that at the networking events. From the networking events, that's where you're gonna determine, okay, I met this really great photographer. I met this really great DJ. And I want to follow up with them. Like, I want to learn a little bit more. Invite them out for coffee. Invite them out for wine. Um, Ask if you can drop by their office and just chat for a little bit. Um, One of the things that I think I have found a lot of success with, too, is creating, like, energy packs that we take to a lot of our vendors, either during engagement season or when we're getting ready to go into high season. And we'll create um, small little packs, right, that just have, like, Red Bull, energy bars, um you know, um, Starbucks coffee, um, granola bars, trail mix, like protein bars, any of these kind of things, right? Sometimes we'll put like foot lotion or a candle in it, especially like when we're going into season, we'll be like, take care of your tootsies, right? And so it's really just staying top of mind. I think the next thing that I would tell you, and I think this one goes way undervalued because I, I know that there's some people who do not agree with this, but here's the thing. Your As a planner especially, okay, so Sierra is a planner, so I'm going to answer this from a planner's perspective, and then I'll give you some other details for different vendors. A planner's job is to be the orchestra director. Our only job is to make sure that everyone else does their job well. And so what that means is that we also need to make sure that everything they need to do their job well is there when they need it. So that's things like making sure the DJ table with their linen and their power is set up before their arrival time. Making sure that the cake table with the cake stand, with the cake topper and the flowers are at the cake table before the cake person comes to deliver, right? It's these little things. It's making sure that as soon as you arrive at the venue in the morning, you're collecting from the bride or making sure that somewhere in the room are the rings, the perfume, the garter, the invitation, all of that's together for the photographer to be able to shoot as soon as they walk in, right? Like, these are the things that will make you stand out to other vendors because they're like, you make my job easier. And that's what we wanna do. Every vendor should be thinking about, how do I get these vendors to want to work more with me? And that's by making their life easier. So as a planner, you're, one of the things I want you to be thinking about is, How do I make everyone else's job easier? And you spend just a few extra minutes on every single event, making sure that you're really taking care of those vendors. I'd also love to see you do things like, you know, make sure that in the vendor room, you're taking time to ask them questions. Like when we sit down for vendor dinner, you only get like 20 minutes, right? I'm not sitting there just like, oh my gosh, today is so long. No, I want to sit there and be like, Hey, DJ, we've only worked together once or twice before. I really loved your setup. Tell me more about how business is going or what's your engagement season looking like or how are your bookings? What are your favorite types of clients? Do you work here a lot? Like, I wanna learn more about those vendors. That's so, so important. One, it gives me leverage to follow up, right? I want to, but it also helps them to know that you're invested in them. And that goes for every vendor. You should be asking questions. Use that time in the vendor room to get to know the other vendors. It's dead time anyway, you might as well. For other vendors looking for ways that you can impact on wedding day, I would say, you know, for a venue or for a caterer, this is, we all know this is like number one hottest topic in all of the wedding industry, feed your vendors well. I don't care what the client paid for, charge the client whatever it is you need to, but you as a venue or a caterer should be feeding your vendors amazing food because they're the ones that are going to be referring you. They're the ones that are going to be telling couples, oh my gosh, this caterer is amazing. Or, you know, you have to be, you have to um, work with this venue because their food is so incredible. When you feed them a cold, stale box lunch, because that's what the client paid for, that is a reflection on you. I'm sorry, but it is a reflection on you. We don't care what the client paid for. And I know that sounds terrible, but it's just like when a guest walks into a ballroom and there's not enough chairs at a table because the bride screwed up the seating chart. No one's thinking the bride screwed up the seating chart. They're thinking the planner screwed up or the venue screwed up. It just is what it is. I'm just telling you a venue or caterers best way to get in with vendors and to get referrals from vendors, the best people to refer you is by feeding them well and taking care of them. When We're at a venue that is like, you know, not, not catering to us, meaning like, oh my gosh, they've got a whole server and everything in there for force. But when they've got a beverage station that stays out the whole night, or maybe a couple of snacks, some trail mix or something that's out the whole night. I mean, like, how nice is that? Then they feed you well, like a hot meal. That feels, you just immediately want to work with that vendor again, right? Photographers, make sure, make sure, make sure that you bring the couple back on time on the wedding day, right? Like, these are, these are networking opportunities. You guys are thinking these are just Ways to be a good partner. They are ways to be a good partner, but they're the ways that make people want to work with you again. These are great networking opportunities. To say, photographer, say to the planner, what time would you like the couple back and where would you like for me to bring them? It's an easy thing. You know, do that. It makes it so much easier. Planners are your number one referral, right? It's your number one referral. DJs, make sure that you are asking the planner or the venue and the photographer, get with them and say, hey, this is the timeline I have. I just wanna confirm it's the same timeline you guys have. Is there anything you want me to do or not do throughout the night? Let me know. When each vendor really cares about each other, that's who I want to refer. That's who I want to refer. Like, I only refer people that are going to make me look good on wedding day, that are going to create a flawless event for my couple come heck or high water. Like, I do not care what happens that day. We are all one team, and I want to know that you're going to be part of that team. So I know that that seems a little odd for my answer for how to do grassroots networking, but grassroots networking is exactly that. It's not spray and pray. It's literally going and making sure that you're making deep connections, deep relationships with individual vendors that you can go to, that you are creating these relationships that are, are at the core of who you are. Right. And that's so exciting. So that's really my answer for you, Sierra, is to really be thoughtful about what is it that I can do to be memorable? and to make an impact, and to make this other vendor's life easier, and that's what's going to make them want to refer you more, a 100%. Okay, so that was Sierra's question. So the next one is, how do you deal with unfavorable personalities in your local industry network? Someone who has a lot of prominence, but not a lot of positivity. Okay, so Nina asked this, and I love this question, and I think my answer for this one is pretty simple, honestly, Nina, because... I am an extremely positive person. Like I I really genuinely try to see the best in other people. Um, and when they prove me wrong, which happens, right? Sometimes people just are not your cup of tea or they are um, just not that positive of a person or they just they just don't like you. <laughs> and that's possible, right? It's 100% possible. Honestly, I just block them out. Um, I know that sounds crazy, but... I'm dead serious when I tell you that I take my mental health very, very seriously. Um, as somebody that struggles with a lot of anxiety, I i don't know if anxiety is genetic. My mom had serious anxiety. I have anxiety. My girls, anything I can do to shield myself from anxiety or feelings of um, imposter syndrome or feelings of feeling like I'm less than or somebody just making me feel bad, um, I would happily give second and third chances if I feel like, you know, maybe they just had an off day. But if somebody genuinely is just not a positive person, they don't make me feel good about myself. Um, they just are a fairly negative person. I don't associate. I, I block from a lot of my social media. And I don't mean block as in like you're blocked from my social media. I will block myself from theirs because I don't want to see it. I don't need it in my life. Um, I try really hard to not be in the same circles as them. So if I know that they're going to be in an event that I'm going to be at and that can't be avoided, I will make sure to be on the opposite side of the room or to not really interact. I just don't give them space. I really don't. And I I think that that sounds easier than it is, but it genuinely is easy. Um, I there's There's definitely one person in particular that I, when I read this question, I was like, oh my gosh um, that I've had to deal with. And, um, for me, I feel like it's, it's honestly just forgetting that they exist, um, in the kindest way possible, but they can do their life and they can do their thing. And I don't even have to know about it because unless you go on their social media or you go on their website or you put yourself in their space, you don't even really know what they're doing. Like you completely forget that they exist. And, um, there's a Taylor Swift song that I love. I actually sent this to a friend and, um, It's, it says it isn't love. It isn't hate. It's just indifference. And I think that's how I deal with it. I'm kind of like, I don't like you clearly. I definitely don't hate you at all. I have no reason to hate you. I'm just honestly indifferent. Like, I don't care what you're doing in your space. I don't want to know about it. Um, I, if I don't read about it, then I, it doesn't bother me. And so I just, it's just an indifference to them being there. So I think everybody has a right to exist and do their own thing. And if you don't like it, then I would say, be indifferent. Don't log, donate, just be indifferent. And did you see how I worked in a Swiftie reference there? Yes. I love it for my Swifties, right? So hopefully my Swifties are like, it isn't love, it isn't hate, it's just indifference. Pretty sure I got that key wrong, but you guys know which song I'm talking about, right? I love that song. I play it all the time. Okay, so that is my answer to that, Nina. All right, so we have two more quick questions. um, And so let me pop through these. So how do you calculate full service planning and the 10 to 20% fee? Are you going on the entire budget or just the other vendors? And are you excluding personals like hair and makeup? How do you cover yourself for wedding management clients who end up having scope creep? Okay, so this is a lot of questions in one. So um, I'll answer these at kind of a high level. This was Kasha that asked this question inside the group. So calculating full service planning is honestly pretty easy. We actually have two different podcast episodes on this specific topic. Episode 77 with Rebecca Rosa Atchison. She's with Rebecca Rose Events, and she teaches all about percentage-based pricing. And so that episode, and then episode 162 with Nicole Mower. She is actually one of my students inside the Accelerator, and this girl is a genius when it comes to percentage-based pricing. What I love about her episode is that she didn't always do percentage-based pricing. And so she really goes through her genesis of how she baby stepped into it, exactly how she breaks it down and how she sells it to her clients and how she tracks it. So I personally, for percentage-based pricing for blush, we do not include their honeymoon, their rings, their attire, anything that we're not necessarily involved in. We do include hair and makeup because we do have to manage the hair and makeup vendor, That's actually one of the biggest vendors for a planner to manage, right? So we do include that. But unless we're going dress shopping with them or going to all of their seamstress appointments, we don't include their attire. We don't include rings and honeymoon. Basically, everything else is included in that budget, but it's completely up to you. Some people um, do include the dress. Some people don't include the dress. Some people don't include the catering. I think that's a massive one. So I'm not sure why you wouldn't include catering, but completely up to you. But there's lots of ways to do it. So they're in. Episode 162 is where I would listen to exactly how to implement that percentage-based pricing. I think that's a really, really good one. And then she was also asking, how do you cover yourself for wedding management clients who end up having scope creep? Honestly, let me tell you my philosophy on wedding management. And this is a planner-based question, but this goes for every single kind of pro. So if you are a photographer, a DJ, a florist who sells package-based services, your most basic package can often get scope creep, right? Right. What I will tell you is with your most basic package, it should be everything that they need and nothing that they want. And I want you to draw a really hard line on that. And that's because they've chosen to get your most basic service, right? It's just like um, getting a cheese pizza. A cheese pizza, it's hot. It's got sauce. It's got cheese. It's got crust, right? Everything you need for a pizza. It's fine, but it's nothing you want. It doesn't have the mushrooms. It doesn't have extra cheese. It doesn't have um, you know, garlic seasoning, topping or whatever, whatever. It doesn't have any of that because you didn't pay for it. So it's everything you need, but it's nothing that you want. You want the extra toppings. So make sure that you draw a really hard line. And then if they want to add on additional services, that's when you can say, absolutely, here's our a la carte or here's our next package up, right? But there's no scope creep in event management because it's literally a hard black line of, no, we, this is what we do. It's everything unique, but nothing that you want. And if you want additional services, we're happy to sell those to you, right? So that's what I would encourage everybody listening to really be mindful of is that when you draw that hard line, then it makes it easier to not have that scope creep. It's when you're allowing like, oh, well, you can call us anytime and we're happy to give you an answer to your question. Well, then that ends up in you know, 45 minute design consultations technically because they just had one five minute question, right? Or, oh, would you just come to the walkthrough and, you know, it'll be quick and then you go and you've been there for two hours, right? So like this is how scope creep happens. You need to draw a hard line of exactly what's included and what's not included. And then you need to make sure that you're charging for those additional services. Okay. Last question is from Vicki. And Vicki said, what is your number one tip for building a team? And so I love this question too, Vicky, because I don't know that I would say that there's a one size fits all answer for building a team. I really don't. I think going back to question one of really figuring out what is it that you need first, I think what I see in the wedding industry a lot is that instead of building a strategic team right from the beginning, you kind of are just like, I'm overwhelmed, I'm busy, and you just start bringing on random people. So it's like, oh, I double booked to this date. I'm going to bring in another planner. Or I, you know, I'm so overwhelmed. I'm going to bring on a, a VA or I'm, I, I need social media done. So I'm going to bring on a social media manager, but there's no strategy behind it really. Right. And so what I see when I start working with wedding pros most often is that you've got a team of just kind of like random people and that's okay. That was how I actually started as well. I ended up with this huge team of just random people. And then I was like, wait a second. This doesn't make sense. I need to strategize this. And so that's what I really love doing with Wedding Pros is looking at your whole team and then understanding, okay, now that we have all of these people, let's start fitting the pieces in, right? And so what I would tell you is from the beginning, if you can, if you haven't already started building your team, right from the beginning, I would tell you, Really be thoughtful, just like I told Taylor at the beginning of this episode. Be thoughtful about what it is you need on your team. What are you not good at or what overwhelms you? And hire that out. And then start building off of that. If you have already started hiring a team and you've probably got a bunch of contractors that work for you, um, that's totally fine. What I want you to do is I want you to look at it all on paper. And I want you to look at each person's strengths and weaknesses Also, what are they able to give to you? If they're all contractors but have full-time jobs right now, do any of them want to work full-time for you? Do any of them have that skill set that you might be missing to bring onto your team? And that's where I really want you to start thinking, okay, I'm going to look at this whole group and I want to start looking at which one of them fits here and which one of them fits here and which one of them fits here. The positions that I really tried to get in place for as many of my students as possible as soon as possible is yourself obviously sales, so we want to cover sales, whether that's going to stay with you or you're going to hire it out. An operations person, so this is the person that's you know making sure all the wheels stay on the bus. So they're they're doing um, scheduling, they're getting clients onboarded and contracted. They're doing some of the admin stuff behind the scenes. They're doing some of the managing and training of the team, right? So that's your operations person. And then you have your marketing person. And that marketing person is the person who's making sure that your social media is staying up to date, that you're reaching out to vendors and doing some of the networking, that your name is being published as many places as possible, that when vendors tag you on social media, that you're getting, you're retagging them and things like that. So those are really the key positions that I'm looking for on a team. And since they can't all be hired at once, when you have that team of contractors you've already started, I would say to really look at what do you need first and who do you have on your team that really fits that criteria the most and fit them into that place. And then the next person will come and then the next person will come and the next person will come. And so I get really excited doing team strategy with students. Oh my gosh, this is like my favorite thing to do. If you've ever done a one-on-one with me, you know that one of the first questions I ask you is like, tell me about your team. And I wanna know their first names, where they work besides working for you, if they have kids. Um, I ask all the questions because, and I'm writing it all down. Like I have all of it because I'm like, okay, we could put Susan in this position. And Susan sounds like she's really detail-oriented. So that would be helpful here. And she could work this many hours a week. So it's really fun to kind of just strategize that with you. And I do that both in my one-on-one sessions that I work with or inside my accelerator. I'm obsessed with doing this inside the accelerator as well. So if you have listened to any of these questions and you're like, you know what, this is it. Like 2024 is the year that I'm taking this all back. Like I started my business. I've, I found success, but I'm overwhelmed, right? I, I have so many moving pieces. I feel like if I just drop one ball at any time, they're all going to come crashing down around me. That was my story. That's exactly how I um, restructured my entire business because I realized I was juggling too many balls myself. If you feel like that at all and you're like, I I know I need help. Like, I know it's time. I'm ready to invest in my business. This is what I want. I really want to encourage you to look at the programs that I have inside of the Wedding Pro CEO. We have Wedding Business School, which is a brand new program that we're launching for newer wedding pros who are really scaling towards that first 50,000 in revenue. It's a brand new program that we're launching and I'm super excited about that. You can go to brandygar.com slash WBS for Wedding Business School and um, check out the details there. And then we also have the accelerator. So the accelerator is like, you've already made like 30 to 40 plus thousand in your business and scaling to a hundred thousand plus. And you're really trying to bring on those team members. You're trying to get full-time team members in place. You're trying to work yourself out of doing all the things yourself. And that's really what that accelerator group is for. This is my signature program. It's the one that I am so incredibly proud of. We've had well over a hundred wedding pros go through that program and and really step into their role as CEO. And I'm so incredibly proud of the movement we're creating inside of that program. And then I also have obviously courses and self-paced courses and things like that that can help you as well. But what I want to impress upon you with this episode, CEO, is not to wait. The longer you keep running your business on this hamster wheel of chaos that you're running your business on now, the longer it will stay that way. And While you may not think that you have time to do it, I promise you that six months from now, if you put the work in, your business will look completely different. You'll be able to spend more weekends with your family. You'll be able to sleep at night and not have so much anxiety. You'll be able to start paying yourself a salary and really feel like the CEO that your business needs it to be. I am so passionate about creating this movement for Wedding Pros to step up and to step into running their businesses like the CEOs that I know that you could be. So you guys, thank you so much for being here every single week and I will see you next time.